Hey everyone, real quick before you enjoy this episode, just wanted to say um, I have put the bonus piece of it before the content just to highlight uh, the importance of respecting our traditions, respecting the Ifa religion. And so I did front load that with the bonus information before you get to the segment on Oya and Oshun. And so please um, understand this is just an introduction, and I am no way an expert. I'm not an initiate of Ifa, as I mentioned, but I just wanted to highlight this beautiful tradition and religion for those who may not be familiar. So enjoy! Hi, everyone. So I am back. Um, I wanted to give you a little bonus following our African spiritual beginnings that we just had um, in that previous episode where I spoke about Oshun and Oya. And I thought about, um, you know, I should have probably started a little bit more in the beginning. I didn't want it it to be so much a lesson uh, in the Ifa religion, Um, but I, I feel like I need to expand upon it just a little bit more. Again, I do not want to disrespect anyone that is initiated and that's really, truly studying and practicing Yifa, um, so I'm not going to go too far into details that I'm not able to provide, um, but I do want to give you more in- information um, and my interpretation because I believe that with such a tradition, which is an oral tradition, you know, there isn't a Bible, if you will, that I can just pick up and find and um, spit back at you. But these traditions are oral. And so it's sometimes you may find some individuals interpreting things a little bit differently as such um, in any practice. Uh, However, I do believe there are some solid, uh, concrete phrases and terminology uh, and traditional practices that really are the bedrock of Ifa. And so um, I'm not going to go too far into that, but let me just start with, um, this is a quick bonus. I'm not going to spend too much of um, your time on this, but I do think it's important to understand that when we're talking about Yoruba spirituality, um, Ifa, what we're talking about is the observation of our lives, okay? And this is for those that practice a way of life. In fact, this is partially the reason why I struggle with saying um, a religion or spiritual practice because it just is. Ifa is, right? And so the Orisha, the Yoruba uh, deities that we, we discuss, and we only talked about two. And, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to introduce you to more. Um, but they are connections to um, our divine creator. They are the extensions as well as the extensions. Um, our ancestors are extensions of the divine creator, as are we. But the Orisha are that direct connection. Um, you know, when we're talking about the Ifa system, Ifa divination, this is a system that provides readings pretty much based on human fate. So um, looking at the life that is 
mapped out for us that we're already predisposed to before coming here is a big part of the IFA system. Um, and there are um, individuals that you can go to, um, and some may call, you may be familiar with Babas, uh, that can sit down with you um, and do readings with you through the divination system. One thing I wanted to highlight in terms of the Arisha um, and looking at this system being perhaps a hierarchy, some people question uh, the term God in uh, Ifa. And when you look at that term, many will say that God is more of a European term, that even when you look at the other African spiritual practices, our ancient practices of uh, Kemet, that, you know, that term itself isn't something that they necessarily utilized. Um, so it's hard to capture um, God per se in our African, African spiritual traditions because um, we looked at, at the connection to our creator as um more holistic, just greater than that three-letter word. And yes, there is, um, and I will correct myself for my last uh, recording, I realized I said Olodumar, and it's really Olodumare, right? Olodumare, which is, he's the the divine uh, creator. And even when you think about Olodumare, well, what precedes Olodumare? And that may be too deep of a conversation here, um, but I just uh, wanted to highlight that I believe when I'm looking at Ifa that um, it's it's challenging to say God when we have such a divine creator um, of, of life. And so the closest that some may say would be Olodumare, but um, Olodumare pretty much commissioned the Orisha to create, right? So um, one Orisha that we, you know, did not discuss is Obatala. And uh, Olodumare sent Obatala to create the earth, the land, um, as well as creating humans even though Olodumare uh, was the one to breathe life into us, into humans. Um, so just wanted to add that, that piece of it. And when you are really looking at the tradition, the first thing is to turn to your ancestors for help. Okay, so... Um, I one thing that I've easily picked up on in my own practices is truly calling upon my ancestors, not forgetting to um, honor them first, um, build that relationship and making sure we're honoring them all the time. And then when I need guidance or help, I know that I can go to them to reach out to, um, you know, to reach out to Olodumare, if you will, or God, if you will, or divine creator, um, you know, the, the universe, if you want to call it that, to guide and support me and to help me along this way. Um, some would say that Olodumare does not get involved in these earthly affairs, and that is why he commissioned the Orisha, and that is why we have ancestors. Um, and so think about, uh, you know, when if you're if you're in uh, traditional religious practices such as Christianity, 
I, I know for a lot of us, it's hard to wrap our mind around if you think about the concept of God and how is God able to help all of these people? And we're all praying to God and gosh, is God really listening to me, right? So think about that concept and wouldn't it make sense that the Most High would have help, would have commissioned others, would have um, really kind of... Um, what do you call it, like disseminate or to dictate, if you will, who would be in charge of what, that would make a lot of sense, right? Um, It's really delegating task. And I think that's really brilliant when you think about it in that way. So if if we think about that concept, I think it's easier, easier for us to understand this idea of having Orisha, these deities that some may worship, um, just like they would in other religions that may have uh, saints, that may have a hierarchy system, even though there is a belief of one divine creator. Um, and lastly, I wanted to add that I did end our conversation and our story um, from our last post or podcast, I should say, with Ashe. And I just wanted to quickly expand upon that word Ashe and Think about it meaning your power, your power. Ashe has several meaning meanings, and we could do a whole podcast just on the meanings of Ashe. However, think about it as your power to exercise control, having control over your own life. You have the ability to make changes, to make things happen, and it's the power that was given to you from our divine creator. And so at the end of our conversations, we say Ashe. For me, it's a reminder of your strength, of what lies in within. And it also means, and so it is, and so it is, right? It's already done. So I'm going to close out this bonus by saying Ashe. And thanks, thanks again for joining me. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Uh, do in our previous episode. So today, our conversation is around our Yoruba traditions. And if you're not familiar with the Yoruba people, uh, and, in, and if you are of African descent and heritage, this is certainly a um, topic that should be of interest, and I encourage you to look into further. In this brief conversation, we will not be skimming the surface of the depth of this uh practice as well as the people um, and the traditions um, that are connected with Yoruba as well as Ifa. And uh, I'm going to just share a couple of stories with you. Again, this is not an area that in any way I would say I'm an expert in. And I'm still a novice, to be honest, even though I've been studying and intrigued um, for a few years now. I guess maybe I guess I guess it's probably two to three years where I've really been kind of um, in doing my own research, if you will, as well as talking to other individuals, friends, and listening to experts in regards to the Yoruba culture and the practices as it relates to Ifa. Um, and so I am not what they would call one who's um, initiated. I do not practice in that way. Um, however, 
Um, again, I encourage you to look into this topic on your own time, and I think you will be very intrigued. But let's just get into some of this this background that I want to share with you. Um, so the Yoruba people are part of what we know as uh, Nigeria, modern-day Nigeria, as well as areas of Benin. And we are talking about West um, Africa, the regions where most of our ancestors are from, uh, our ancestors that were enslaved mostly came from these regions of West Africa during that transatlantic slave trade. So the the people, the Yoruba people, have a, a tradition um, and belief that includes what they call a pantheon over of over, um, or actually about four hundred and one gods or Orisha, if you will. So um, in a Yoruba language, we would say Orisha. And these Orisha really govern various uh, parts of the world, parts of our lives. Um, And one of the main Orisha that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about two. And since um, we are really focusing on our Black goddesses. Uh, We're going to focus on Oshun and Oya um, in terms of our conversation today. So Oshun um, is regarded as one of um, the Orisha and she is, some would say, one of the most powerful and others would say perhaps one of the most popular Orisha, especially with people like myself and those that are on their spiritual journeys and awakenings, um, typically you will um, be introduced to Oshun uh, pretty early on. I I think people are really attracted to her beauty. Um, Oshun is looked at as the goddess of love um, in various other aspects such as sensuality and beauty and I have to add this in there, even though I know those of you that are familiar with this topic are maybe a little bit tired of hearing this comparison or um, reference. But uh, if you're familiar with looking at, um, you know, some of Beyonce's work, and I'm not going to go too far into that, but you can look it up on your own time. And Beyonce wearing the colors of Oshun, which are the deep um, yellow, goldish colors, uh, as well as her in one of her videos coming out of a building with water following behind her and gushing out. Oshun is looked at as the goddess of the sweet water, the river goddess. And, um, and so there's some references in the work of Beyonce that people uh, would say really align with Oshun. And perhaps, um, you know, she is... Uh, conjuring or honoring Oshun in her work um, in some of those the various videos and some of her latest work as well um, in regards to the Orisha themselves. And so Oshun, again, is the goddess of love and sweet water. And when you think about sweet water, think about the fresh water that we have here on Earth. And it only makes up a very small percentage of what we have here. And so um, I'll circle back to that after sharing the story. So I'm going to be really brief with this story. Um, It's one of the most powerful and important um, Yoruba 
stories. And I'm not going to get too much into the terminology, but I will say that it's deeper than just a story. But for our purposes, we're going to keep it more simplistic today. So um, there, as I stated, are hundreds of Orisha. And during the time um, that the Orisha were sent to Earth, the male Orisha had decided that they did not need the only female Orisha that was there at the time, Oshun. And they figured, you know, why is she here? You know, we, we can take care of this ourselves. We can do this ourselves. So she left and then she spent time focusing on her beauty as she sat and waited patiently. Meanwhile, things were completely failing. Um, She took with her when she left, she took away love and she took away uh, the sensuality and the beauty and the sweet waters. So the male uh, Orisha um, were, were failing and things weren't working. And so they went back to the owner of the day, um, the most high who is uh, Olodumar. And they told Olodumar that, uh, you know, things weren't going right. And they were really virtually complaining about, you know, you're pretty much setting us up for failure here. Uh, We don't have what we need to be successful. But Olodumar said, you know, someone's missing. Where is Oshun? And they had explained that Oshun, um, you know, they sent her away and that they did not need her. And so Oshun was then summoned back and she had shared that, frankly, she was insulted and disregarded. And, you know, the other Orisha had disregarded the need for her sweet water, her sensuality, for the beauty. So she took all those things with her. She said, you know, this is mine. I'll just take these. And if you don't need them, fine. I'll take them and I'll just wait for you to come back around. And eventually they did. Um, and old Dumar made them apologize. And she said, fine. But you know what? Don't let this happen again. And so Oshun is powerful and beautiful, sensual, all at the same time. And she shows us the need of love and the beauty and the strength of love and how necessary it is. And, uh, you know, we have to think as we look around at things that are happening now and we have to question and wonder, is Oshun mad? Is she upset again? Or will she take her sweet waters with her again if she feels disrespected and disregarded? And so, um, you know, thinking back to our sweet waters, perhaps being the fresh water that we have now um, and how limited it, it really is and how we need to cherish that and honor that. Now, not going to get into the conversation about uh, venerating or honoring uh, different deities as they relate to the Orisha. Um, I will say, as I have learned, um, and one of my very closest, uh, my I should say my closest confidants when it comes to these topics taught me a while back is you start with your ancestors first, okay? You honor them. Our ancestors are us. Um, these Orisha are part of our ancestry and our ancestors and these are in the Orisha look to us to re-enter and to re-experience this land and this earth and they want it to be beautiful 
and they want us to communicate with them. And the way we do that is through our elements of the earth, especially the air and the water. And so that's, um, it's up to us to make sure that we are doing so by taking care of this, this land, um, which we don't do a great job of. And unfortunately, there are many that believe that, you know, it's a hoax that there isn't a such thing as global warm, warming. And, um, you know, those things are just being exaggerated. But we know, we can see what's happening in our, in our lands um, to be able to identify the damage that is occurring. And so start with your ancestors. Um, you can start very simply, as I've mentioned before, lighting a candle for them. And we talked a little bit about the elements that you may want to place on an altar. And water is going to be very important, right? Um, Oshun teaches us that. So um, we want to include that. Now, I am going to switch um, briefly. I'm going to go to um, another Orisha here, Oya. And um, just like Oshun, Oya is, I would say, I think, uh, one of the popular Orisha in terms of our mainstream, uh, you know, studies that you may find on YouTube or other social media platforms. Now, those that really are, are practicing and involved in the Yoruba traditions, um, you know, would say that, yeah, you know, a lot of people, they may feel are choosing, um, you know, to venerate um, or to connect themselves with Oshun or Oya without having enough knowledge or um, the guidance of those that are, um, you know, that are initiated into the practices. And, you know, and that probably is the case. So again, these are stories that I'm sharing with you. It is up to you to really do your work. And if you're really, truly interested to find someone that could be what we would say a mentor, but in the tradition would be a godparent um, that would help you. Anyway, let's get to Oya. So Oya is the goddess of wind and air and the ruler over tornadoes. And she is, and what we would say, an elemental goddess. I love that that phrase, an elemental goddess. And so she includes air, fire, and water. And some would say lightning, right? And so Oya is a fighter, and she will fight for her children. And think about uh, the children going back again of Africa that were brought um, during the, the slave trade. And we talked a little bit about how Oshun, you know, may be angry. And it, it, we have to be concerned about if she is, her taking away the sweet waters. Well, when Oya is mad and angry and someone messes with her children, such as those from Africa that were enslaved, well, her way of, um, you know, fighting to get back her children are in the forms of the elements, such as tornadoes, but also hurricanes. And most of the hurricanes that hit the U.S. come off of the coast of Africa. I want you to look that up when you have a chance. Look up a map of how hurricanes form that hit the United States and look at the pattern and the path that those hurricanes travel. And I think it could be very eye-opening. Um, and again, it's Oya 
trying to get her children back. And so it's up to us to really start to connect with our history. I am not saying that you should choose a certain religious practice, but I think that we owe it to our ancestors to at least, at the very least, investigate what they were doing before they got here. Now, I know, I I know that there will be plenty that would say, well, some of them were Christians and that's what they were doing. Okay, that is fine. Before the missionaries came into Africa, before they were taught from the European Portuguese missionaries, what that was, before, before the Romans uh, taught the Africans from Ethiopia about Christianity and they rode back into Northern Africa and started the Coptic churches. Before that, what were they doing? What were they doing in West Africa specifically? Because we know we can trace back most of our ancestors to West Africa, not to disregard the motherland, the entire continent that we have connections with. But during that time frame, when our ancestors were taken, West Africa, and we could even go to the Congo, um, they were introduced to other religious practices by Portuguese missionaries who were the same ones who then enslaved their people. They started by enslaving um, prisoners of war, if you will, that, you know, Africans were um, in, you know, in war with other tribes because they didn't see themselves as solely Africans. They saw themselves as tribes, just like uh, when you look at people during that time from Europe. You know, they wouldn't all say, well, we're European. No, they were Portuguese and they were Romans, right? They were different. And so, yes, they did enslave their own um I guess you would say based upon being in Africa, but they did not see it that way. They were capturing other members of tribes that were, um, they were in battles with, right? And those were the individuals that they allowed the Portuguese um, to take for enslavement for various reasons. Um, And then what happened was that those same uh, slave traders started to enslave their people, not just their prisoners. And so um, that's when, you know, the story began. We can go into that another <laughs> on another day. But the people of West Africa came with the traditions, um, with their deities. Um, they even hid them within other practices, eventually hiding these deities um, into the, let's say, the Catholic Uh, saints, um, you know, so that they can disguise their practices that they knew, you know, they could be in serious trouble for even death if they were found to be practicing um, their, their traditional spiritual, spirituality or religious practices. And so Oya, again, is a female warrior and she is independent. Some even would say that her independence is, uh, supports females not needing a male counterpart. And so those who uh, may be single, independent females really are attracted to Oya. And 
the thing about Oya is, is that sometimes she may come in to remove things out of your life and it may seem like a complete storm, okay, of chaos and destruction and she does that to get rid of what is not necessary so that you can bring in that beauty, perhaps that beauty that you would see from Oshun, right? Oya's colors are seen as purple, red, orange, and black and, um, you know, just like Oshun, uh, you may see people that are really attracted to and focused on celebrating and venerating um, Oya. Again, I encourage you to look into these Orisha on your own. Look into the Yoruba traditions and the Yoruba practices. It is such, just such a beautiful and rich tradition uh, and connection to our ancestry and so take that time today if you have time to do so I think you'll be really amazed by the stories that you can then share with others if you're a parent share with your children so that we may be proud of our history and on that I will say ashe and we'll go over what that means in another episode but take care and thank you for joining me Welcome to Black Goddess Healing and Manifestation, and I truly trust that you are well, and I appreciate you joining me once again. And I just wanted to do a quick um, intuitive reading today. I think it's helpful to have some guidance and feel uh, support, especially during unpredictable times such as the time that we're in right now and so this is not going to be I don't anticipate it being long uh, but I did want to make sure that I stay up on doing my segments for the podcast and reaching out to you so that being said um, I do before we get into the intuitive reading I want to encourage you all to really take time especially in the morning um try to try to get up and you know keep a schedule i know it's challenging especially when you are uh perhaps you know working from home or out of work and you don't have to get up for an early call it's easy to lie in bed and rest until noon one o'clock what have you Um, but i do encourage you to get up and use the morning time as your quiet time and the reason why it's important to do that in the a.m. is because we all have different chemicals in our bodies hormones and during the morning time those stress hormones are less okay so that's the perfect time um, of clarity to sit to take your your deep breaths to connect to your higher self your ancestors and so the morning time is best and that's where you have the most clarity um not so much spirit spiritually i know some people that like to do their spiritual work in the evenings that's great as well i'm speaking more about your levels of stress uh working on your mental and emotional health through meditation or through just being quiet Um, And again, the morning time is best for that, okay? Just neurologically, 
best for that. So I want to encourage you to do that. And as we go into this intuitive reading, um, I'm going to ask you to take a moment of breathing, um, slow breaths, quiet your mind, turn off whatever television is nearby if you can, um, you know, distance yourself from other people in your environment for a moment. And I really want you to connect because in order to do uh, any type of reading, of course, face-to-face is best and individuals' readings are best. But when you're doing a collective reading, it's really important to connect to spirit and to connect to your higher self so that you are hearing the message that's intended for you.